rumors are starting to swirl once again, folks, about Donald Trump and his bizarre relationship with his lawyer, Alina Haba. This time, Donald Trump partied on New Year's Eve, not along, not only, by the way, uh, with Vanilla Ice, a Ninja Turtle, and a Cher impersonator, but also present with him in some photographs was Alina Haba at Mar-a-Lago on New Year's Eve. Not pictured, by the way, in any of the photographs taken was Melania Trump, Donald Trump's actual wife. So just like about a week and a half ago, when Donald Trump showed up to a fight in Las Vegas with Alina Haba at his side, not Melania, people on the internet are once again asking questions like, what the hell is going on here? Why is Alina Haba always around Donald Trump, not just in the courtroom? It doesn't make any sense. And I can tell you that as somebody who has worked at a law firm for going on 20 years now, that's actually not typical at all. Like, no, that's, that's not a thing that actually happens. So it is a little weird. It's a little bizarre that Alina Haba is there and Melania is not. Now, one of the photographs, by the way, was posted by one of the housewives from Real Housewives in New Jersey, and she put it, it has her, a couple other women, Alina Haba and Trump in front of them. And Trump's face has been like hugely filtered to make him look so much younger than he actually is. But the housewife lady uh, put this out there. She said, thank you, Alina Haba, for defending our president and the constitution from the pieces of shit trying to destroy it. Insta seems to be having a huge problem with the truth. It's getting out and people are waking up to the false narrative and selective editing of the left. Hashtag Trump. The selective editing, kind of like you did with Trump's face in that photograph. But either way, editing the photograph, making Trump look younger, whatever. People use filters on social media all the time. I'm not necessarily going to hold that against her, except for, of course, the hypocrisy of the selective editing. Uh, what is weird, however, is that Alina Haba is always at Trump's side and his own wife is not. Now, Melania's absence is actually easily explained, but it only raises more questions as to why Trump is not with her. Melania kind of took the holidays off from being around her husband, who can blame her, uh, to spend time with her ailing mother. Uh, reports say that Melania's mother is, is very sick. Uh, I, whether or not she's going to pull through this illness, I don't know. The reports are not exactly clear about what's wrong with Melania's mom, but she is spending time with her mom. So that's why Melania was not at the party. That's why she wasn't with Trump uh, at the Christmas stuff at Mar-a-Lago. But reports had also told us like a year or two ago, Melania's parents actually moved into Mar-a-Lago. So if her mother is in fact sick, as long as she's not somewhere off in hospice, it, it isn't that just on the same property? Like you couldn't take a few minutes away to be like, okay, I, I got to go make an appearance at this party with my husband who's running for president. So people don't start asking questions or maybe if your mother is at the point where she's no longer at the property and, and, you know, somebody's care, why wasn't your husband with you? You know, I know he likes to throw his new year's Eve Mar-a-Lago bash, but you would think his mother-in-law possibly, you know, maybe being on her deathbed or at least being, you know, horribly sick he could take time to go be with his family and actually act like he gives a damn about them for five seconds. Could have had one of his idiot sons run the party, but no, none of that. Like this isn't how a normal family operates folks. 
That's what drives me so crazy about this is that his supporters look at him. They see this loving family man that can do no wrong. And oh, he's such a devout Christian too. Apparently he's parading around with his lawyer who he obviously finds very attractive. His wife is nowhere to be found. The family is in shambled. The family business is going down the toilet and all Trump can do is party with his lawyer. Yeah. None of it makes any sense. But that is exactly what's going on in Donald Trump's life right now. A new report came out just a few days ago talking about the members of Congress that have made the most money off of trading stocks while being members of Congress. And in that list of the top 100 members of Congress, right there in the middle is none other than Marjorie Taylor Greene who has made obscene amounts of money through her investments since becoming a member of Congress. And this report says that in the year 2023, Marjorie Taylor Greene's average return on investment came out to 18.6%. That's huge. It's not the biggest, but an 18.6% return on your investments for a 12 month span, that's way above average. So you're obviously doing something right there, Marge, except Marge says no. Marjorie Taylor Greene insisted in an interview with Fox news this week, when she was asked about this, she said, I don't even own any stocks. So how could you be making an 18.6% return on your investments if you don't even own any stocks? Well, Marge had an answer for that. And her answer was to throw her minor children under the bus. Yes, that's right, folks. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene's kids that are out there making all those stock trades. By the way, Marjorie Taylor Greene does in fact have two sons. As far as I know, I think they are both under the age of 18. So, you know, they're not exactly out there on the phone with their broker. Buy, sell, do like, no, they're in high school. Here's what Marjorie Taylor Greene told Jesse Waters about the whole thing. I actually asked my team about that today, why my name was on the list, because I don't even own any stocks, and I haven't, in all of 2023. As a matter of fact, we have to report everything, including children who are dependents of ours. And I think what was reported was actually related to my son's account that his father and I set up for him years ago. Oh, so you, you didn't know what it could be. So you had to ask your staff like, Hey Steph, why am I on this thing? And then you had to be reminded that you and your ex-husband now, uh, set up a stock account for him. Like you didn't, you didn't know that, that, that seems a little fishy, especially considering the fact that for your first two years in office, 2021 and 2022, you were also consistently listed as a member of Congress that was buying and selling stocks, of course, related to things that were going through Congress at the time. In fact, it got so bad that you would actually said during an interview or actually, no, I'm sorry. You put this on a uh, social media. You said, I have an independent investment advisor that has full discretionary authority on my accounts. I do not direct any trades. So a year ago, you're out there saying, Hey, yeah, I got lots of stocks. I, I, I don't direct the trades though. Somebody else does. And then now you're saying, what are you talking about? I don't even own stocks. That's probably my kids messing around on the computer, getting an 18.6% return on investment. No, 
No, nothing about this makes sense. The only way to make it make sense is if as part of her divorce, her and her husband were forced to sell off the stocks and then split the cash from the sales, either that or her husband somehow got all the stocks in the divorce. And and that doesn't seem like a thing that would happen. It would also not make much sense for her to have to sell off the stocks instead of just, you know, splitting them or possibly just holding the joint account and splitting the profits off of it. No, no, somebody needs to look into this a little bit more because there is nothing about Marjorie Taylor Greene's denial and her throwing her kids under the bus that makes a single bit of sense. Well, folks, it only took him three years to finally do it. But by God, this week, Donald Trump finally, again, after three long years of waiting, released the report showing all of the massive fraud that took place. And and remarkably, you're not going to believe this. I know this is like totally unbelievable. All of that fraud took place in all of the states that are currently investigating Donald Trump's attempts to overturn their election results. What are the odds? Well, according to Donald Trump, the odds are great because he totally has this evidence and it's been verified. Although he, he didn't tell us who verified it, but somebody somewhere apparently verified it. And he put it out in a report this week titled summary of election fraud in the 2020 presidential election in the swing states. And the states it looked at were Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Michigan. Five states that, well, one, Georgia's already indicted him. The other four are currently investigating what he and his accomplices did to overturn their state's election results. And Donald Trump, just with the best timing ever, says, oh no, now, three years after I made the claims, now I can finally prove it in this half-assed, completely bogus report. And when Trump shared that report on social media, he shared it with a post that said, quote, I am pleased to share a report that is fully verified. Most of the information was gotten from government sources, tapes, and other public records and compiled by the most highly qualified election experts in the country. Uh, If the Republican Senate does not step forward and address this atrocity, it will happen again and be virtually impossible for Republicans to win elections in the future. So... What's, what's in the report, man? Like, who are these people you talk, like the tapes you, you have tapes of fraudulent voters. Like they recorded themselves like on audio (laughs) committing voter fraud. That, that seems a little weird. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying it didn't happen. Like nothing in the report can be verified by any of these alleged outside sources that Donald Trump claims have, I guess, verified this information. Of course, the timing of this report also coincides with an actual election expert that Donald Trump himself paid a couple million dollars to. He wrote an op-ed, Ken Block is his name, with Simpatico Software Systems, wrote an op-ed in USA Today this week that says, Trump paid me to find voter fraud. It simply didn't exist. And by the way, Mr. Block has actually already cooperated with the January 6th select committee, and there's no reason to believe that he hasn't also cooperated with Jack Smith. But Trump claims that this new report that he has put together, I guess himself, uh, totally exonerates him hundred percent. In fact, in a second post on truth social, Trump said, uh, 
What I was doing is bringing to light the fact that the election was without question rigged and stolen. If I did not do this, I would have been in violation of my oath of office and the take care clause, which requires the president to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Therefore, he says, I am entitled to total immunity because that is exactly what I was doing, taking care of our country and guarding it from rigged and stolen elections. How nice is that, right? Trump is just looking out for us. And even though he's been given opportunity after opportunity, like, you know, in all the court cases where they tried to overturn the election results, he was given all those opportunities to turn over this information about alleged voter fraud. Uh, he wanted to wait till right now, you know, right after the new year, didn't want it to interfere with Christmas or new year's or Hanukkah or anything else. You know, people take your breaks, enjoy your family time, have your feasts. Obviously couldn't do it the month before that Thanksgiving, a horrible time for news. So he waited three years to give it to us right now, right as he is facing criminal trial after criminal trial. Can't wait to see what Jack Smith does with this, but I'm willing to bet it's not going to move him whatsoever because if Trump had this evidence, he would have shown it in court more than three years ago when he actually had the chance to do it. According to a new report from the Washington Post, Donald Trump's rivals, or at least the strategists and the consultants that have been working with his Republican rivals in the Republican primary, were apparently shocked to learn how cult-like Donald Trump's followers really were. Apparently, they just had no idea that the Trump cult was in fact a thing, but now they're willing to admit that, yeah, there is no convincing these people who blindly support Donald Trump that he's not all that great. These Republican operatives said that even when they confronted in focus groups, these hardcore Trump supporters, they would present them information such as Donald Trump said he would build a border wall, but he didn't. There's tons of gaps in it. He only built pieces. And when these operatives presented these Trump supporters with this information, the Trump supporters actually said, let me read this. Um, <laughs> Trump intentionally, Trump intentionally didn't finish the barrier so that the migrants would bottleneck in the gaps and it'd be easy to detain them there. So ah, ha, ha, you thought Trump was really going to build the full wall, but oh no, he is in fact playing three-dimensional chess and he left gaps in it because that's where everybody would go because it's open, duh. And then once everybody tries to get in all at once, you have them all in one thing and then bam, you caught them all. Trump supporters say it was totally intentional. It wasn't a broken promise. He was just smarter than us. Not going to argue with that point. Um, but one of the strategists said, how do you engage with that level of creativity in finding a way to excuse Trump? Nothing could move them. And then of course the Washington post says ad makers working with the club for growth, one of the top outside spenders in Republican politics tested a range of tactics that had little to no effect on issues as diverse as the pandemic pandemic to guns. Attacking Trump for contributing to the rising national debt didn't move focus group subjects, even those who reported being concerned about the rising national debt. So even when these people are like, I'm very concerned about the debt 
and they were like, okay, well, here's where Trump made the debt go even higher. They're like, nah, it's fine. We're good. We're good with him doing it. But if anybody else does it, like, no, that's just, that's terrible. Now, what is shocking to me about this is that anyone would be shocked by any of this, but it does show you the level of disconnect that has taken place within the Republican party itself. These people, these Republican operatives, they work on campaigns for a living. They're mired in this every day of every year. Even they didn't realize this was happening. I'm assuming they all assumed it was just part of this liberal plot, this left-wing media conspiracy to pretend that Trump people are cult members and, you know, make Republicans look bad. And then when they finally look at it, they're like, oh crap, I guess it wasn't a conspiracy. I guess calling them a cult isn't really just a talking point or an insult. It is in fact the reality, but that's how this was allowed to grow because the people that should have been paying attention to it, the Republican rivals weren't even paying attention to it. It was happening under their nose and they didn't even catch it until it was too late. No matter how many times we warn them, no matter how many times we talk about it, they dismissed it because it was just leftist hysteria. And look where that's gotten you now, Republicans. Don't say we didn't warn you. It's your fault at this point for not listening. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. Balanced.